This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Khan, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Matt Orlando from a Moss restaurant in Copenhagen. Matt is one of the most thoughtful chefs around and one of the culinary world's best problem solvers. He has worked tirelessly to make a Moss sustainable, ethical, and entirely delicious. Now, Matt is wondering what will happen to everything he's so carefully built. Listen in as Matt begins to formulate some solutions for adapting without losing his identity, why fried chicken might play a role, and what miscalculations Matt is making cooking not for a busy restaurant, but for a family of three. We're back tomorrow with two all-new guests. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Matt. It's been a emotional roller coaster of trying to, you know, your immediate reaction is okay. We can't be open. Okay, we're going bankrupt. That's that's your immediate reaction because, you know, quite contrary to what the large populace thinks, if when you when you run a restaurant like this, you put a lot of money out, and you may take a lot of money in, but you're putting out a lot of money to make it to create this experience, and because of that. Restaurants like this don't operate with a lot of liquidity in the bank. Um, and so, you know, the way a mass operates uh, in, in the short version is that, you know, we, we make a lot of money in the summertime. And then there's five months during the wintertime where we don't make money. And in, in some of those months, we actually lose quite a bit of money. But because we've made money in the summer, that kind of carries us through the winter. And by the time we get to springtime, we don't have a lot of money left in the bank, but then summer starts again. And then we kind of bank, we save all our money during summertime to get us to the next winter. So the timing for this couldn't have been more challenging due to the fact that we were at towards the end of the winter. And so liquidity is low. So everyone right now it's, I mean, stamina is the name of the game and, and, Stamina to have stamina means you have to have liquidity in the bank. And so just trying to figure out, you know, there's so many there's you're making decisions now. But those decisions are going to affect you three months from now, six from now, nine months from now, a year from now. And so, you know, you you have so many conversations with lawyers and, and accountants and OK, this is what we have, but if you make this decision, then this is what you expect in three months. And then, okay, if, if, if that has to happen, then you lose this money here. And and so it's just, you know, about a, about three or four days ago, um, I just told my account, my lawyer, I said, okay, we just need to stop here for a second because we're making all these decisions and the government keeps changing what they're offering us um, literally every 24 hours. So you're making decisions that 24 hours later are irrelevant. So you're just spending all this time. Well, because I say that because, you know, they they come out with the first stimulus package. Um, And, you know, it was it was very it was very I mean, from the very first package they came with has been very generous in comparison to, I would say, a lot of different scenarios I've seen play out around the world and talking to friends. But the Horista, which is the restaurant kind of union, um, 
they went in and said, no, this is not generous enough. This 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 will close a large number of restaurants um, because of liquidity issues and having to run a business. Yeah, you're so the first package was 75. They would cover 75 percent of your wages. Um, but then again, you're spending 25 percent of your wages and you're still paying rent, which obviously is negotiable with your landlord on a on a personal level. But still, 25 percent of our wages is is a lot of money every month we're still paying. So then the, the final package, and then it, there was little tweaks between in between there. And those tweaks along the way were, when I say emotional roller coaster, you're like, okay, great, we can stay open. Okay, actually, no, we can't. We're gonna go bankrupt. Okay, they tweaked again, now we can stay open. Actually, no, we can't. They're, okay, now the, the final package, they're supposed to, it's supposed to become available today. Um, and that is, they're offering 90% of all wages and 100% of your running costs. That's incredible. It's in, it's incredible. It, it, it really, it really, really is. Wow. I was, I was asking my wife last night, you know, do you think the prime minister's going to have any um, backlash uh, from the opposite side of the table? And, and she says, well, the argument is right now that, you know, the government's putting out just tons of money right now to sustain the economy and to keep people's jobs. But the prime minister came out and said, listen, we're doing all this now, but this could very, it's a very real scenario that this will affect the, the way we live in this country on the backside of this. There potentially could not be all the access to medical, all this, all these, all these kind of um, this pseudo socialist things that we have available to us all the time over here. Those things are will be limited on the backside of this because of the amount of resources going into this right now. So that's a that's another that's another very scenario. So of course everyone's kind of arguing that and okay, what does that look like? Is is she gonna, you know, it's. Despite despite what we all want to believe in our governments, you know, this very unfortunate situation is going to be played as a political move on on in many countries, and and that's that's Denmark is no different. I mean, you see it playing out in the states right now, and you it, it's just kind of that's just the reality of politics. I think in these days, <laughs> I think I read in the last couple of days that the restaurant industry in the states uh, represents four percent of uh, the GDP. It's a huge number. It's crazy. It's, it's it, crazy. It, it's a huge number. I mean, I can't imagine it comes near that in, in Denmark. It's a much smaller country. Um, yeah. But restaurants have meant so much to Copenhagen in terms of tourism, in terms of international recognition, in terms of a, the, the brand that the city is. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, the amount of people that come here just to eat is it's a huge part of our tourism revenue just for the country itself. I think that was kind of a big motivator for the country as well to to kind of step up because they it's not I mean they can't turn a blind eye to the fact that the amount of money that that the restaurant industry um, contributes to the country is substantial. I mean, over the last ten fifteen years, to me, Copenhagen's become like a second food home. I've been to Copenhagen more in the last decade than I've been to Chicago. You know, and Chicago's <laughs> oh, yeah. not far. Exactly. I know, you know, uh, on that note, it's, it's, 
I think a lot of us are, what I've seen happen here, um, which is quite amazing, is that, you know, I, I decided to come back to Copenhagen because there was something going on here that was, that was really interesting and kind of refreshing and there were no rules and, but most of all for me, the community really was, was tight. I mean, everyone talked, everyone shared information, um, everyone did collabs together. It, it was really a, an amazing place to be in that sense. And, you know, as, as we've grown up as a food city, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people over the last um, couple of weeks is that that community has kind of, I don't want to say dissolved completely, but definitely has become less engaged in each other as, as we were in the past. And what I've seen over the last two weeks is just this, this resurgence of just communicating like the, the, the amount of phone calls I've had with other restaurateurs and chefs in the city just about their situation and, and sharing information it has been amazing. And on the backside of this, what I'm hoping is that I think we're all hoping is that this this really kind of reignites that that sense of community and that sense of just sharing information, because that's what I think. I think the guests have really felt that as well, that this is a place you come and everyone's friends here. Everyone everyone is in it for the same reason. And, but, you know, it's really interesting. What we talk about a lot now is like, what is this, what does this look like on the backside of all of this? And what do restaurants look on the backside of all this? I mean, you know, I, I was, I was talking with Renee um, a couple of days ago cause he just got, he just got back and he was fighting to get home from Mexico. It was like a, it was a, Man, he said it was a crazy experience trying to get home. We're talking about Rene Redzepi, of course. Um, but we had a really interesting conversation. We were talking about the, the backside of all this. And he goes, you know what? The backside of this is really no no one can think anything is is beyond what they've done in the past. He's like, Could you imagine? He's like, What about what about like a Noma burger or an Amass burger? I was like, I look. I was like, Renee, I've never even mentioned those two words in the same sentence ever. And you just he's got like, rid of me too. Yeah. And he's like, um, and he's like, but this is like, we have to, and I, I'm pretty sure he was using it as a metaphor of kind of just like, we are going to have to do things we thought we'd never do in the past to stay alive. Because I don't, I mean, and this is my personal opinion, like, I don't think that right now is not the scary time for restaurants. The scary time for restaurants is on the the year after this, the year when we first, when we can reopen again. Because, I mean, we're already looking at a, like a, how, how do we present a mask and make it more accessible to people? Because, I mean, in the summertime, we're, we're 80% foreigners that eat at a mass. And so, and we know it's that that amount of tourism is not going to exist this summer. I mean, they've already banned all they've banned all or canceled all cruise ship contracts coming into the harbor this summer. There'll be no there'll be no cruise ships coming into Copenhagen Harbor this summer. And that's like that's a lot of people. That's 3000 people on a ship that come in and they spend two, three days eating before that ship leaves. And and I mean, Amass is one of the places a lot of them come. So, 
how do we now adapt to make it more accessible to people and people that aren't traveling from all over the world? But how do you the the challenge in in you know we've had a a lot of video calls with our with our management team just saying you know how do we adapt without losing our identity and that's that's the biggest thing and and you know it's it's exciting you know when you operate every day the same in same out and you know you you have a experience that people are coming for specifically sometimes it 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 makes it harder to to waver from that a little bit and you know this this has been a very a refreshing kind of um, practice for myself and my team just saying, wow, we can think about this place in a completely different way and how we deliver an experience that is within the parameters of a mass, but, but different in a way. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's going to be um, a long fight and it's going to take a lot of energy and it's going to take a lot of it's creativity, a lot of creativity and a lot of, a lot of communication as well uh, with the guests and, and with your staff. I think that's the biggest thing right now is there's so much uncertainty, um, both from from the management team just trying to understand what's happening right now, and and but also from the from the staff. Like all they know right now, well, we just kind of give an update on what's happening, but all they know right now is that the restaurants close until further notice. And they up until yesterday, that's all they knew. Now we kind of have a plan and just keeping that information flowing. But also, you know, I want to hear what my team's reactions are to this, because, you know, my my team comes from the entire world. I mean, I mean, there is I think in at present we have three Danes working at the restaurant out of 22 employees. And the government will take care of those people too. Yeah. As the long government as they're will... working in the country illegally. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. So, but again, all this is happening, all this information is coming out and, you know, for a foreigner living here, it's a lot of information, obviously all in Danish and everyone is just kind of confused. Like it's hard for, it's hard if, if, if you don't speak the language to watch the news and when the prime minister is talking and stuff like that and really understand what's happening. So it's like keeping that information going amongst, amongst the staff that, okay, just because it, there's just all this underlying stress because no one knows what's going to happen. And so as long as we can keep that information flowing, immediate information, of course, no one knows what's going to happen on the backside of this. That's just a, that's the biggest wild card right now. And you can't and you can't control it. I think like a week ago, I just kind of I was trying so hard to control everything I was doing and everything. And I just I just came to the realization that there is so much out of my control right now and that you just have you have to relinquish that control or you're going to go insane and try to focus on the things you can control. And that's right now. That's just mitigating losses and communicating with your staff and then everything else is it's about reacting to what comes kind of in real time and how you how you how you react to that is 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 the hardest part because you don't know you're not read everything is so new every day 
How's, no. How is your staff taking it? I'm sure you're in touch with them and, and your management team frequently. What is their anxiety level yeah. like and where, where are they at, you know, mentally right now? A lot of them are, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I already am so thankful for my staff because they're just a bunch of really hardworking people that are really passionate about what they're doing. But the, the level of professionalism they've showed through this and just also the, the, the degree of coming forth with solutions and accepting or, or offering to take pay cuts to make it work and all this stuff was just, was, I mean, is very, like I got really emotional just when a couple people came to me all on the same day and were like, you know, we can take a pay cut if you want, if this for, for however many months you need us to, to, to get through this. And so I think, Every, everyone is really on board to just do whatever they have to do for this for a mass to survive um, and that is a that's really I mean it's 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 really humbling and you you really all you just become closer with your employees when you have these conversations are you so, social distanced from them do you see each other from 10 feet away are you zoom meeting this is we just had a, a Zoom meeting the other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of the the extent of it right now. And you know, at first we were like, oh, let's let's have like a gardening day, and people can come out and work in the garden because we need to take care of the garden still. And and uh, but then I think within twelve hours of that conversation, everyone kind of were like, eh, maybe that's not the best idea. Right. Like maybe one one person takes care of the garden. Yeah. But we have a we have a pretty um, we have a we we use Slack at the restaurant to communicate. And so the Slack, I, I started the other day, I just, I posted kind of what I was cooking for dinner for uh, my wife and my daughter. And, and, uh, I said, Hey, if you're, if you're making something cool and I was like, Oh, fuck it. If you're making something stupid, post it anyway. So everyone just started posting all these like outrageous stuff they've been cooking over the last couple of weeks. And just to kind of get people communicating on the same line, like we're all at the restaurant together, like just kind of talking shit because, you know, we talk a lot of shit at the restaurant. So let, let, how do you it's like this how do you create that same environment virtually where people can just like say whatever they want and, and have a little banter and, and kind of look maybe turn a blind eye to what's happening just for that short amount of time just to just to reconnect on a personal level so it's not just always like just feeding everyone information they need to hear in order to make decisions about their life like hey let's just post a bag of Doritos and say hey this is what I had for dinner tonight with a beer or something or <laughs> And just have a have a laugh. What did you make for dinner? Um, I actually made uh, okonomiyaki for the first time. Oh wow! Yeah, it yeah, go? it was good. It was really, yeah, it was really good. I mean, it, I made. You know, when you're cooking for three people, you forget how far something will go. And I, I literally made enough mix. I mean, we just ate the last. That was three days ago, and we just ate the last of it for lunch today. <laughs> It's good to have those things that keep. Uh, what did you do with all the food in the restaurant? So we, I mean, uh, Lily Bakery, uh, who is just across the street from us, any a lot of the perishable stuff uh, we donated to them because they were still open for takeaway. So we we're just like, you know, here, just take it. It was like a lot of endive and potatoes and um, all this. I think all the staff took home like eggs and milk and and stuff like that. Anything else we. We kind of like all the all the fish we had because we we had a lot of fish in the house because 
we don't have meat on the menu anymore. So it's like we just kind of salted it all um, and then smoked it and froze it. And then we'll use and then we'll use that for staff meal when we come back. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, we didn't. And then I think I took a bunch of stuff home. Um, we like a bunch of people took. We I think we put everything out on the pass before we left as like kale and all that stuff. And everyone took a bunch of stuff home stock their fridges what about your your supply chain and all the people who bring all their wonderful products to your restaurant has is the government going to bail them out too i mean this this stimulus package um doesn't just apply to restaurants um, it can apply it applies across industries and that has been i mean we just started this thing i was racking my head over the last week or so about how you know, we've been trying, we've been focusing so hard on just understanding what we're doing and trying to make decisions. And I kind of just was thinking, I was like, how do, okay, I have the, this is after I told my lawyer, my accountant, I was like, okay, I just need to like take us, we need to stop for a second and take a few days and just see what happens with all this information coming out. And we uh, kind of came up with the idea. It's like, okay, we have a, we have a social media platform, i.e. our Instagram account that has quite a few followers. So how do we take that and then just offer it to the local community of people who are still trying to do things like a friend is doing these like to go uh, or like these veg boxes from local suppliers out, out where they are and bring them into the city just to keep the farmers kind of going with selling their stuff because most farmers have just completely stopped selling goods because there's no restaurants that are that are buying them. Um, so trying to keep, so we just been we have like a schedule and we've been reached out to everyone and said, hey, on this day, you can take over our Instagram feed and just put out what you're doing, talk about it. How do you get in contact? This is all the and and just so it's it's eighty thousand more people that they can reach. Um, that's cool. Give them, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're doing with this show is we're just amplifying people's stories. And that, and that's the biggest thing right now. It's like Huge. anybody who has a platform that has any substantial reach needs to just, that's the bit to offer it up to share information. And it's like, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are doing a lot of kind of international stuff. Um, and that's great to get ideas, but I also think people need to, I mean, really focus local right now as well, because that's where the biggest impact is going to be. Yeah. I mean, that's and, been the message with your guys's food and everybody's food for the last 15 years, like local, local, local. And the communication strategy has to start, of course, on a grassroots local level as well. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we're just trying to put out there that, Hey, any, any form of any platform that people can communicate on, just, just do it. And you know, the mad feeds doing, they're doing that as well. It's great. Um, and you're, you're starting to see more and more people kind of jump on and say, Hey, listen, these are our friends, help them out. They're, they're fighting. Everyone's fighting, but here, this is the, this is information that hopefully will help people. When you and Renee were talking about, um, creating basically the, Burger King and McDonald's of Copenhagen with the Amass and, and, and Noma burger war that that's coming up. Uh, did, did you start thinking in your head creatively about, Oh, what might we do? What might make sense to us? Would it be a product line? Would it be a cheaper offering? 
It, it does I mean, seem I, like restaurants will have to find ways to have other revenue streams that are low cost and, uh, you know, something that can bring in some money. Yeah, I mean, we, we've developed quite a cult following over here with our fried chicken, the mass fried chicken. So that uh, that is a very uh, real scenario of us actually doing something with that. And I mean, I mean, I mean, if you and, and this is not what's happening i'm just kind of spouting off the top of my head right now but if you look at a mass it's it's an amazing it's a it's a big space where we could potentially do two different things inside that space so if you split the dining room maybe two-thirds and one-third and the 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 kitchen side of it is a mass but maybe a bit more approachable a bit more price approachable as well and then on the other side is just a fried chicken and natural wine bar and you got the whole garden to sit in and just drink wine and eat fried chicken so those are all that that's that could or that could happen. I mean, that that's that's kind of the scenarios I think all of us are looking at. And then right have have you also thought about what emergency planning might look like in the future in case something like this happens again? I, I mean, I know it's great to live in a country where you perhaps can count on the government to bail you out. But in in the name of of being sustainable on, on all levels, I would imagine that you guys are all going to have to think about what if this happens again? What kind of really fun do we have to develop for our workers? Yeah, I mean, there is you there easily could be an alternate bank account now that a certain percentage of our profits every month go into for this. And to be able to say, you know, of course, we're still paying 10% of our employees' salaries over this extended period of time. And that's a small percentage of the salaries, but when you add it up over, over, three months. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a small amount of money. And so, but so is there a, is there a very real situation is that we develop, we open another account within the business that we just kind of funnel a certain percentage of all the profits every month into this account to potentially, um, have that for if this happens again right i mean not that restaurants need another cost to absorb but it seems important you're just seeing all these gofundme pages i was looking on gofundme last night to see you know how many restaurants have have put up pages and i couldn't even count you know if you if you search for the word restaurant on gofundme right now there's 27,000 results it's not all related to this it's i don't think it's all covid-19 related but that's all different levels of people asking for money for restaurants to, to work. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, our show is called takeaway only Matt. What is your big takeaway from what's been going on the last couple of weeks? I think we all need to remember what community is and we all need to remember that supporting each other is only going to help ourselves as well and i think looking at the bigger picture and not just looking at yourself is is something that i think everyone needs to take away from this experience matt thanks so much for being here i know these are are challenging times and it's really interesting to hear how you guys are getting through thank you man i i really appreciate you doing this that was matt orlando you can follow him on instagram at amosmo coming up tomorrow Kevin Bame and Rob Katz of Chicago's Boca Restaurant Group. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Khan, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Khan, for Freetime Media. 
Our logo is by Raynal Philippe at Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.